Now turn in your Bibles as you have them to uh, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18 and continuing our series, uh, preaching through uh, the, the acts of the risen Lord Jesus. We're going to just read the first four verses of chapter 18. I invite you to stand out of respect for the reading of God's inspired word. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the book of Acts is not the first place that you'd go to learn about God's will for marriage. And yet, I couldn't help but notice that there's a prime opportunity here in this text as we're moving through the book of Acts to to see how marriage and a married couple are part of God's unfolding plan as he sends the gospel to all the nations. Yes, I'm saying that right here in the book of Acts, what you're you're about to hear is a sermon on marriage. Um, And the reason why is because the mission of Jesus mobilizes marriages uh, for, for evangelism, for gospel witness. And we see it right here in this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Now, let's just recap. Let's see how this fits into what we've been learning so far. I want you to remember how from the very beginning of the book of Acts, what we saw was the risen Lord Jesus. Yes, he really rose from the dead on the third day. And uh, what he does is he ascends into heaven. Why does he go up? Why does he ascend to the right hand of the Father? Well, because from that place, uh, seated on his throne with all authority and power given to him, the good news, the life-changing message of the gospel goes out to all the nations. So it's like Jesus goes up and he, he, he sends the Holy Spirit like a bomb uh, to, to, uh, to incinerate the power of darkness in all directions. And out goes the gospel, out goes the Holy Spirit, out goes the message uh, like a mushroom cloud over the whole earth. And that's kind of what you're supposed to see in the book of Acts is um, a, good, a good kind of gospel bomb <laughs> um, bursting forth from Jerusalem and then to Judea and to the ends of the earth. And, and the book of Acts really follows that structure, right? It, it's kind of the outline of the book of Acts. The gospel starts in Jerusalem and then it goes outward to Judea and Samaria and then it goes even further out to the outer edges of the earth, the outer edges of the Roman king, uh, empire. And so what we see here is we've seen that Jesus is mobilizing individuals. We've seen that he is um, even bringing households into the mix as as he is uh, stirring up people to believe and embrace his gospel. And in this passage, we see a glimpse of marriage of a married couple being brought along in this royal mission of the King Jesus. Priscilla and Aquila 
are a precious picture of a married couple that has been marshaled against the kingdom of darkness to, to send forth um, the, the word of Jesus. And they do so in, in such ordinary and relatable ways, ways that we can connect with. And really, what this leaves us with is a sense that our marriages too ought to be mobilized for the gospel. Our marriages too ought to be brought up in that big picture, that exciting story of what Jesus is doing. And by the end of this sermon, I, I, I hope that not only married couples um, here, but also um, the unmarried in our midst would be encouraged and see that this has something to say to you as well. I want to look at this uh, picture by first looking at the couple and then looking at the challenge, the, the, the couple in this text, and then the challenge for today. So we see in our, in our text, a couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And isn't it interesting uh, that the Lord Jesus does uh, grab a hold of a couple when he is um, sending forth his mission, when, when he's on the move? Uh, because it was really a couple in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, uh, that he, he formed and he tasked with taking dominion over the whole earth and stewarding it well and, and using it for God's righteousness. And yet it was a couple, Adam and Eve, uh, and, and, and a fissure in their marriage uh, that... Uh, that led to, uh, to sin entering the world. And just as soon as God had made this married couple in the garden, you have Adam saying, you know, the woman you gave me, she's the problem. And so it's, it shouldn't be surprising to us that when Jesus is, is uh, mobilizing forces against the kingdom of darkness for the good of the world, saving the world, he says, we're, we're going to grab a, a, a married couple and use them in an extraordinary way. Like reversing Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's what Aquila and Priscilla are. Uh, their names, let's look, take a look at their names. Um, Aquila means the eagle, you know, a regal name, the eagle. Priscilla, her name means the little old lady. And I can't quite make sense of that. Um, you know, you, you don't want to make too much of a name, but, but I thought it was at, le at, le at least worth mentioning. You've got the eagle and the little old lady. And they appear over and over and over again as this power couple of the New Testament. You know how celebrities talk about, you know, you hear um, uh, the news talk about power couples. And, you know, maybe it's, it's two uh, celebrities that have, that have teamed up and they're, they're, they're dating or they're, they're married. Well, the New Testament has a power couple. I'm not like, yeah, not thinking of the tabloids. Um, and the power couple is, is, is right here, Aquila and Priscilla. They're mentioned over and over again. I just want to take you to two places that they're mentioned. And then we'll, we'll see some other places later in this text, um, in this sermon. But 1 Corinthians 16, 19, um, we hear this. Uh, Paul says, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, that's the shortened form of her name. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, sends you hearty greetings in the Lord. And then 2 Timothy 4.19. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Well, 
little bit more about this couple. It was a traumatic experience that brought them to Corinth. In 49 AD, the good news about Jesus had spread and it had gotten as far as Rome, right? This is the, uh, the, the center of the ancient world, the, the, the power that controlled the ancient world. And the gospel comes to Rome um, and the Jews were hearing about the gospel there. They became very divided. Some said, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Others said, no, he's not. And you are, you're not Jews if you say that. And, and, and so uh, the Jews, uh, there was apparently some sort of an uprising amongst them in the streets of Rome, so much so that the Roman overlord looked and said, if you're going to be fighting about this, you're out. Get out of my town. Get out of Rome. And he kicks all the Jews out because the gospel had, be- had become an, an uproar. In fact, what we hear, is they said, uh, the, the, the ancient writings, the, the historical writings say that it was because of a man named Crestus that the Jews were kicked out of Rome. And we know who, who Crestus is. It's a misspelling, in fact, of the word Christus, Christ. It was, it was Christ, uh, this, this man this, the, uh, that, that the Romans didn't understand who was causing all this uproar amongst the Jews. So he said, get out of town. And apparently this couple, Aquila and Prisca, who had come to believe in Jesus, suddenly became refugees. They're suddenly hightailing it out of town and they say, well, where do we go? Where's our home? And they make it as far as Corinth. And they say, well, why don't we, why don't we set up shop here and, and uh, start some sort of a trade to make a name, uh, to make wealth for ourselves? And, and so they become leather workers in Corinth. You know, it was a traumatic experience. It was suffering. It was tragedy that brought Aquila and Prisca to the greatest opportunity of their lives. Can you imagine a married couple getting to, to welcome the Apostle Paul into their home, getting to work with him, getting to be, to be co-laborers in the gospel with him? And if what happened in Rome uh, never would have happened, they would have been wouldn't have ended up here. And so this is an encouragement to us when we're going through tragedy, when maybe a, you know, a, a Getting laid off a job causes you to be moved somewhere or, or, or uh, moved to another side of town or you have to uh, downsize your home, whatever it is. You know, the Lord is not fooled by these kinds of major workings going on in the world. In fact, he's behind them. And he was moving Prisca and Aquila, this, this precious couple who had believed in Christ. He was moving them from Rome to a place where they would be just this power couple for the gospel. It's an encouragement to us, I believe, when we're going through times of tragedy, saying, Lord, what are you doing here? And they become this couple that everyone knows about. Notice how in those, even just those two texts I read so far, um, the people know them. People in Ephesus and then in Corinth, uh, they know of Prisca and Aquila. They are household names. They're famous amongst the churches. They're charter members of the church in Corinth and in Ephesus. You know, uh, Jan and Joe Tobias, who are now living up in Michigan, they, uh, uh, it, it's a slightly funny story. They were at Covenant when Covenant uh, was doing its charter member Sunday and everyone got to come up and write their names on there. And it just so happened that Jan and Joe, they rarely miss a Sunday morning, but they, they were sick that morning. And so they were not charter members of the church. And so uh, Pastor Brad, when he said, we've got a a church plant going on, he said to Jan and Joe, hey, 
you can, you can actually be charter members of this one. We'll, we'll actually move our charter member Sunday so that you'll be there to sign it because we know that, that, that Covenant dropped the ball on that with you. Uh, I, I'm joking, of course. Covenant didn't drop the ball, but uh, you know, Jan and Joe, charter members of two different churches and Prisca and Aquila could, could share in that joy as well. Now, what made their partnership so powerful? What made them a power couple um, in the New Testament? Well, uh, several things. I want to I look at three things. First of all, they combine their efforts. They, combine, they become this team for Christ. And isn't that exactly what marriage is? A team, a one flesh union for Jesus? It was in Genesis that we heard it read, it is not good for man to be alone. He needed a helper suitable for him. He needed a helper both like and unlike him. And so God gave Adam woman. And it's this picture. There are, there are strengths of the single life. And Paul talks about those strengths. But there are strengths of married life as well. And one of the strengths of married life is when you're married, when there's two of you working together, man and woman, husband and wife, side by side, you become this two-sided or you can become this two-sided juggernaut against uh, the forces of evil where uh, you're, you're working together in tandem and the strengths of one and the weaknesses of the other and the strengths of the other and the weaknesses of one are playing together uh, to be this, uh, this powerful force in the world. I think this is what's being highlighted for us whenever Aquila and Prisca are, are mentioned. They're always named together. There's not a place you'll find out of the seven places they're mentioned in the New Testament where they're not mentioned together. They show hospitality together. They're doing that here in this text. They've got this, this job, this leatherworking business, and they say, you know, hey, Paul, why don't you team up with us? Why don't you live in our home? Why don't, you, why, why don't we welcome you and help you do what you're doing? And so they show great hospitality. And, and we see in the rest of the New Testament, they're, they're involved in these church plants. They're opening their house so that the church can meet and worship in their home. Hospitality together. And then we see later on, um, we're going to see this uh, in the beginning of the new year, when I preach um, in, on a later portion of Acts chapter 18, uh, Aquila and Prisca are in Ephesus, and they meet this young man who is just this uh, exciting preacher. His name is, is, is Apollos. And they meet him, and he's really excited about preaching, but he's only got half of the gospel. And his preaching is really stunted because of that. And it says that Aquila and Prisca together sat down with him and taught him and said, we love what you're doing, but you're missing part of the gospel. They did that as a married couple together. The New Testament is giving us this picture of what our marriages could be if they were leveraged uh, for the gospel. And let me show you, just give you just a word about what this is it's like. It's two people joined together, one, one flesh union, and it's important that those people, husband and wife, man and woman, are different, but those differences combine. So sometimes I think it's the case that it's the difference thing, right? That, that, that men, we are not like women and women, we are not like men. That's the thing that sometimes gets frustrating in marriage, 
right? It's frustrating because uh, secretly somewhere deep within our heart, we just wish that God would have given us some sort of a clone of ourselves who is more, you know, uh, more, more, uh, uh, you know, feminine than, than a man or, or more masculine than a woman. He would say, why don't you just clone me? Why don't you just download my mind into another body? And uh, you, you ever felt that way? You say, you know, why do you have to be so different? Why do you have to be a woman? Why do you have to be a man? Why can't you just think the way I think? Why can't we just always agree? But the beauty of marriage is that that's actually what God is using those differences to strengthen us and to make us this powerful tool in the kingdom. So that, so that when we hear our husbands, when we hear our wife say, I don't see it that way. We shouldn't say, what's wrong with you? We say, what do, okay, help me understand your perspective. And the same thing, wives towards your husbands. Em, embrace these differences. Embrace that, that women uh, are, are designed by God biologically to, to often see things differently than men see them. And that's good. It makes you this double-sided force against the kingdom of darkness. Now, all of this, you know, it doesn't go into the details with what uh, Aquila and Prisca were doing um, and, and, and how their marriage worked. But we know from the rest of the, the scriptures that there is order in structure within marriage and that husbands are to take that role of, of headship, of leadership, um, and that wives are to respect and submit and support their husbands um, as dignified helpers. And so there's, there's a pattern to this, but we need to understand uh, that that pattern plays out so that differences become strengths. I love how sometimes we see Aquila's name mentioned first, and that's the typical pattern uh, for, for husband's names to be mentioned first. But sometimes it's the woman's name. Uh, it's, it's, it's Prisca's name that gets mentioned first. Why? Because Aquila is not so uh, heavy-handed in this marriage to hold her back from being a blessing to the churches, but instead he's, he's saying, go, use your gifts. Go, be a blessing to the church. And he doesn't hamper her. He doesn't hold her back. She's out there. She, she's in the spotlight um, uh, as a woman, as a dignified wife, um, serving the church. And then sometimes the church starts to remember her and think of her before they think of Aquila. So that's a reminder that as you're working together as a team in marriage, it doesn't mean that a wife has to become a doormat in order for um, a husband to be fulfilling his role as, as head of the home. In fact, sometimes when you think of a married couple, and, and maybe you can even think of this, sometimes it's the wife that comes to, to, um, to mind first because the husband is supporting her gifts and, and she's using them um, in, in all the ways suitable to a woman to be used in the church. And other times, it's the husband who's thought of first. And this is okay. This is good and well. The important thing is that two people come together as a powerful partnership for the gospel. Now, there's a, a lesson here for, for the unmarried, for the single in our midst. And it's this, that when you, the Lord placed married couples around you as a reminder that community is vitally important for your well-being. Even if in this life, 
You know, you, 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 uh, the Lord does not give you a spouse. You need to be living in community. It is not good to be a lone ranger in this life and to try to do the Christian life all around alone. Marriage is this very visible, ever-present ever reminder that it is not good for you to isolate yourselves from the community. But you need to be involved. Sometimes you need to push yourself into the lives of married couples and say, hey, I need community. Can I come to your home? Can I come to, to lunch? Push yourself in there. It's okay. You need to live in community. So the first thing that makes this partnership so powerful is their combined efforts for the gospel. The other thing we need to see is that this couple is willing to take great risks for the gospel. I love this. In, in, in Romans chapter 16, verse 4, we hear Paul is, is again, writing to the Romans in this, this time. Yeah, this couple made it to Rome, back to Rome as well later in their life. And Paul says, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. They risked their necks for Paul. I'd love to know what, what that story was. When I get to heaven... If I have the pleasure of speaking with Prisca and Aquila, I want to say, tell me the story. What was Paul talking about? How did you risk your necks for the gospel? How did you risk your necks for him? You know, what did you do? What did that involve? I don't know. But what I do know from this and what I preached to you is that Prisca and Aquila were Christian risk takers. They were willing to look at each other when the situation started getting uncomfortable and difficult and out of their, out of their, their typical um, uh, pattern of marriage. And they looked at one another and uh, when they were asked by a pressing situation to invest in the gospel, they looked at each other and said something like, YOLO, you only, you only live once and our life is a life for the gospel. So let's not live this comfortable, uh, risk-free life. Let's risk it for the gospel. And so they do that. You see them moving from place to place. They move from uh, Corinth or from Rome to Corinth, from Corinth to Ephesus, from Ephesus back to Rome. And they're doing this because the gospel uh, churches are getting planted and they're seeing new opportunities as this um, uh, this well-established couple with, with great gifts for the gospel to relocate and to, to again and again and again uh, take this risk so that the gospel goes forth. They give up a life of pure comfort and worldly stability for church planting, for investment in the gospel. And I have to wonder, what about us? What about our marriages? You know, it's risky even to invest financially in the church because that money could be put back, saved for a dream home, for a nice, comfortable retirement when, when you grow old. But there are ways in which you're called upon by the Lord and we do not dictate to you what that looks like as a church in a monetary amount, but we say, hey, look, you ought to give and then you ought to give to the point where you say, 
Ooh, that feels a little uncomfortable. But I'm not leaving my family destitute. I'm going to give so the gospel goes forward. It's risky to let people into your homes. It's risky to invite people into your homes who have never been there before. You say, what if the conversation gets really weird? What if my... uh, what, what if someone brings up something that, uh, that my, I don't want my kids to hear? What if, um, you know, what if it takes away from, you know, from, from my comfortable afternoon with my wife? You know, Prisca and Aquila remind us that hospitality is worth risk. Here's a challenge to you. Challenge over the next month and a half, invite someone into your home. Invite someone into your home that's never been there. Invite a neighbor. Invite a friend, someone who needs to see the gospel in action, even just by seeing you pray over your meal and show them the hospitality, the warm welcome of Christ. Invite someone into your home and put out those, the, those reasons. You know, the, what, if, what, if they, what if they wonder what my... Uh, what if they, you know, they think bad things about you know, my, my home and, and how I've decorated it and, and how messy it is? Forget about it. People, are, people love to come into your home. People love to be welcomed and invited into your, your lives. And you have an opportunity here to risk it for the gospel. So this couple combines their efforts. They're willing to take risks for the gospel. They're Christian risk takers. And all of this is true because this couple has made Jesus their first priority. I mean, look at their lives. Isn't it just unmistakable? Isn't it clear reading about them, that Jesus is the center of their marriage, not their work, not their careers, not even their family, but Christ. He's the motivator. He's, Jesus is the glue that holds the pieces of their lives together. He's not just an add-on to the marriage package. That's what married people do. They go to church. No, Jesus has captivated them so much that they want uh, to live for him. And they want to pool their resources, their gifts together for Jesus. That's why they're willing to risk so much for him. You know, they make me think of, um, of Martin Luther and his wife, uh, Catherine von Bora. She was called, uh, nicknamed Katie, but Luther called her my rib. He affectionately called her my rib. And Luther loved Katie. They had this wonderful relationship. You read anything about it, and, and they are intricately involved in each other's lives. But they weren't, uh, they, they did not make idols of one another so that Katie could call out Luther when he's crossing a line. And, and Luther was willing to, to accept that. And Luther could, could, could say, Katie, I need your help. Uh, you are my lovely and wonderful wife. Help me show hospitality to the students that are coming uh, to learn from me. Can you, can you help me do that better than I ever could on my own? And so they opened their home. They opened their lives. Why did they do this? Because they loved one another. Yes. Because Katie loved to see Luther be a good pastor. Yes. But ultimately because they love Jesus. And so here's my plea to uh, the unmarried in, in our midst that if the Lord uh, calls you to be married, if the Lord um, you know, ha- has not given you the ability to be single in this life, 
And I will mention that ability is for few in this life. That when you pursue a, a spouse, that you marry in the Lord, that you marry a Christian. Paul not only says that elsewhere in, in the scriptures, he says, don't be unequally yoked. He says, don't, don't make light of marrying someone who, who does not believe in Jesus. He says, don't do that. Why shouldn't you do that? Why should you marry in the Lord? Why should you marry a Christian? Because God's design for marriage is two people so, captive, so captivated by Jesus that they work together as a team that is bearing witness to his work in their lives. Find someone who loves you, but find someone who loves Jesus more than you so that together you might bear witness to Christ. Aquila and Prisca, the eagle and the little old lady, combining their efforts as a married couple. They are better together. They are a juggernaut against the forces of darkness. They're willing to risk so much for the gospel. And they've made Jesus their priority. And that's why they're so well known um, amongst the churches. What's the challenge for us today? You've already heard something of a challenge. But the challenge is simply this. Oh, that our marriages would be leveraged for the gospel. Oh, that we would live with our spouses as partners in Christ. And the reason why that's challenging to us is simply because there are stunted storylines that are competing for our marriages. There are storylines out there that would love to just grab a hold of our marriages and keep them smaller than what they could be. What are some of those stunted storylines? The storyline of romance is one of them. Shouldn't, mar- shouldn't married couples be romantic? Yes. And I applaud that. But... If marriage is nothing more than uh, falling head over heels and growing uh, old with the love of your life in storybook fashion, that's a pretty small story. It's a good one, but let me tell you something better. That romance being just part of, just being one piece of a life that is dedicated and devoted to Jesus and making an impact for his kingdom. Let me tell you another storyline. It's the storyline of family. And again, is family important? Yes. It is very important. Family is, is, uh, is, is deeply important in the Bible. But if all you have is kids who have been raised and you love to see them uh, becoming their own persons and, um, and, and doing good work in this world, uh, then again, I would suggest that there's something of a, of, of, of a vision of marriage that's too small there. 
Because the kind of marriage that the Bible points us to is one that says yes to romance, yes to family, but points us to making an impact for Christ even through those things. What about the storyline of personal fulfillment? I need someone to complete me. I'm lonely on my own. I want someone who appreciates things about me. Now, maybe there's something like that to be redeemed and, and, and found suitable in, 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 mar- in marriage. But really, most of that is fueled by a, by a selfishness in this life, isn't it? Not gospel risk, not gospel devotion, but selfishness. So that when, it's, it's the reason why we see divorce after divorce after divorce after divorce. Even in the church I need someone to complete me. Well, what happens when you feel like you don't complete one another anymore? That person doesn't give you warm, fuzzy feelings in your heart. You leave them, you find someone else who completes you. Stunted storylines competing for our hearts, competing for our marriages. And really, the problem with each of these three is it's, it, it's, it's, Driven by the question, what can marriage do for me? What can my spouse do for me? When really the question that should drive us forward is, what can I do with the help of my spouse and with all of that that entails for the gospel, for Jesus? Because marriage was from the very beginning meant to be about more than just the relationship, right? It was supposed to be and is, in fact, a mystery that points us to the gospel. It's a mystery that points us uh, to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 tell us this, that marriage is about the great mystery of Christ who risked it all, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped at, but, but became incarnate, took upon flesh, entered our uncomfortable, risky world. So that we would be redeemed. Let me suggest that our marriages, uh, let me not suggest, let me proclaim boldly that, the, that our marriages ought to seek more than just the stunted storylines that compete. And let me suggest, let me proclaim as well that this is true for married relationships, but also for single relationships. Single relationships and those um, who, who have experienced divorce, those who have gone through hardships in relationships, whatever our relationships are in this life, let's not just settle for this small view of what can relationships do for me. Let's see how we can leverage our relationships for the gospel. Taking risks because Jesus is our first priority. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this picture of Prisca and Aquila.